At the end of that Zoom call, I reached out to them. I was like, I'm actually looking for a therapist. Like, was wondering if you could match me up with somebody. What insurance do you take? And it was like very, very easy. And within like less than a week, I was assigned to someone. It was like quite life-changing. Welcome to Theater Life Uncensored, where we peel back the curtain and reveal to you what's really working in today's industry for theater artists just like you. That means you get to hear and learn how to surpass your career goals sooner and enjoy an easier, more peaceful life along the way. I'm your host, Jim Cooney, a New York City-based director-choreographer, and I'm also the founder of Amplified Artists, a membership community for theater professionals from performers to producers and everyone in between, helping you create a career and life you love. My guest today is Alphonse Gonzalez, who you may recognize from season 20 of American Idol, which aired in the spring of 2022. In fact, when we filmed this interview, it was in the middle of that season. However, when we scheduled this interview, I had no idea he was going to be on American Idol. He had to keep that under wraps due to his contract. So American Idol was not the reason why I brought him on for this conversation today. What I wanted to talk to him about was his journey with taking charge of his mental health. And we still do talk all about that. But now, after seeing how this not only affected his personal life, but also his career trajectory, it's even more important we remove the stigma from talking about mental health and just normalize that. The other reason I wanted to chat with Alphonse is because of his work with National Asian Artist Project. I love what they're doing and I wanted to help bring more awareness to it. But before we dive into all those juicy topics, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so you're the very first to know when the next episode is released. And while you're there, I'd be so grateful if you could give the podcast a five-star rating and leave a positive review. It really helps more people find out about this podcast so it can help them like it helps you. Now, one of the biggest topics I get asked about is branding. How do I know my brand? How do I create my brand? How do I make my brand stand out so people want to hire me? So to help you with this, I put together a free guide and worksheet walking you through a three-part formula that clarifies your brand. You can grab it for free at jimcooney.me forward slash branding. jimcooney.me forward slash branding, and I will link to that in the show notes. By the way, if you want to connect outside of this episode, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at jimcooneynyc. Pop on over and say hello. All right, now on to my interview with Alphonse Gonzalez. Hello, Alphonse. Thank you so much for being here. We haven't like actually got to sit down and talk one-on-one for a while, so mm -hmm. I'm really like excited to be here with you and to talk with you about all the things we're going to share today. Yes, thanks for having me. Yes, of course. So just to start off, for people who may not know you, um, I just want to give you the opportunity to you know, share a little bit about who you are as an artist and how you view yourself as an artist in, in today's world. Totally. So I, my name is Alphonse Gonzalez, and I'm from the Jersey Shore. And if you don't know that TV show, you should look it up. It's amazing. <laughs> That's my hometown. <laughs> uh, and I started theater in Tom's River, which is, uh, I studied at the Performing Arts Academy. And then from there, I graduated and went to Pace in the city. And I'm just trying to make my way to the Broadway stage. Nice. And what, and the Pace, you were a musical theater? Yeah, I was a musical theater major. I graduated in 2017. So okay. if you know anyone there, don't be afraid to say hi. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a couple Pace graduates and Amplified artists too. So it's cool to like, and I've, I've worked with some of these people like through Broadway Dance Center and like also choreographing like their senior solos at, at uh, Pace. So it's kind of cool to like. Wait, like, that's have, sick. I didn't yeah, know that. The, oh yeah. To have that connection still is cool. Oh, wow. Um, one thing. So, I mean, there's lots of things I want to talk to you about today, but <laughs> like I just came across on your social media because I didn't even know this, that you were on American Idol or you're on it now or you're auditioning yeah, for it. Yeah, you're on it now. Live. Okay. Yeah, so, it's live. Yeah. Okay. So how did, like, when did you audition? Like, what, like, tell me about all this. Yeah, that, that's, that, this is like such a crazy, I wasn't even, I didn't like traditionally audition for this. I was like found on my Instagram. Oh, wow. So I have like, I have like two singing videos on my Instagram. So it's like by the chance of God that someone found me, but someone found me and it was like the tail end of the auditions. It was like, I was one of like the very last people, the very last round. So, so a casting director like reached out to me and was like, you should audition. We would love to like meet with you. And from there, I just kind of like gave her my backstory, like what I was doing. She, she asked for some of my material and then she pitched me to these producers. So that wow. it was like the, all the producers at American Idol in ABC. 
And then from there, they're like, okay, they set up a meeting. So it was, this was all done within like two weeks. It was like right before Labor Day. And um, I met with the, I was talking to the casting director and then they gave me a day to audition for the producers. And then uh, I auditioned for the producers at Pearl on Zoom, very much like this. And I, you know, I, I played my songs. And then from like in that moment, in like real time, they're just like, okay, great. Now you're going to sing in front of Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryan. And then from that moment, they, they picked the city for me. And they only went to three cities this year. They went to Austin, Tennessee, and L.A. And L.A. was mine. So within another like week and a half, I was like gone. And so you've had to keep it a secret until now? because or, or did you just yeah, choose it's, not to? It's, it's a little bit of both, right? Like they... They made us sign like all these like non-disclosure agreements. They're like, and then, you know, you get assigned to like a publicist and then, you know, like if you make it through, right. And right. like now, now that the show has started and I got the golden ticket, I can talk more about it, but they're like, you can't disclose this, but you can, you can tell people that you auditioned and you can't tell people that you got the golden ticket until the actual like auditions are over, like the complete, like from Tennessee, Austin, and then New York. This is like the first time I've actually talked about it with someone. Like in its entirety, so it's like it's, wow. it's kind of wild. That's so I didn't want. I've never done anything in this with this gravity before, right? Because you get all these contracts, and you're like reading it through, and you're like, okay, this is like very serious. So I don't want anyone like hunting me down. Yeah, know? yeah. So okay, wow. Yeah. So that's really exciting, and I think it's it's so cool, like how instantly that kind of happened for you, just from someone discovering you. And it, you know, when people think about putting their work on social media. You just like never know who's watching it, who's going to see it. And yeah. like if someone's going to be looking for that specific type of voice or person or whatever, like drew them to you. And that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was it's so wild because I like to keep a lot of like my musical theater and like my singing stuff private because it feels like because, you know, like when I, I'm sure you, you can identify with this. It's just like when you're sharing it. When you're sharing your art and you're sharing yourself and you're, you know, you're working really, really hard in your craft, it doesn't, sometimes you, there's like a disconnect sometimes, like, especially when you're in like the thick of it, you like lose sight of like why you're doing it. Um, and that, you know, I was scared that that was going to happen. I, I never wanted to feel like I was doing it for someone else. So that's why I kept it to myself for so mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, ye months would pass and you're like, you see these people booking you're just kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe there's like a balance that you can find right. where you can share your artistry with other people without it feeling like too exposed in the wrong way and like mm -hmm. too judged, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of like took those risks. Yeah. Just, like, well, I think it's, yeah. yeah, if you're using your social media in a strategic way like that. And I think that, yeah, you can tell when people are sharing their art on their social media because they love singing or they love performing right. or love choreographing or whatever it is versus like the self-promotional like every day you're going to hear me sing the song and, and see me do this dance and it's just it's like every time they're ever in a classroom they're filming themselves i mean like that's I, I know what you're saying and i think that that's a good point for people to understand is like using your social media in a way that's going to help you and not you know turn people off or, or come across so self-promotionally that you know, people think you're just pitching them and you're not really just in it because you love to do it. And right, you know, right, it's like, right. you do have to show it. I mean, like, especially if, if other people are and you're not, then you're going to get lost in the shuffle. So you do need to show it. But I think, you know, being strategic and how you show it and, and always coming from the type of artist you want to be, um, you know, and the type of art you want to make, because whatever you put out there is people are going to assume like that's what you're drawn to doing. And that's what they're going to you know, cast you in and that's the kind of producers who are going to hire you. So, you know, if you just put everything out there, then it's like, well, how do people really know what to do? But if you're really focused on like showing a certain kind of work, then like that shows your aesthetic to, you know, the people hiring you. So it just makes it a little bit more clear and easier to get hired that way. Yeah, totally. It's just like, okay, yeah, because I think it, for me, it's also like about just like being proud of like what you're posting there. So if it's like, if I feel really, really iffy about it, then I probably wouldn't post it. But it it just comes down to like making sure that you yourself like celebrate the work and then you like receive the celebration from people who are also, you know, um, experiencing like what you put out there. So it's like a balance. It's I'm still trying to figure out because I'm not like mass posting still. <laughs> um, but it, it it is still something that I get very like 
okay, I should like plan out like the caption correctly. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it becomes, you become like far removed from like why you made the video to begin with. So yeah, it, it is, it, you just have to find like the, the balance, mm-hmm. but it, that, that is like just that, that is also part of it. And I think I'm just incorporating like the marketing and like the marketing of yourself, the like publicizing yourself. And I, I think I'm just gonna, I have to like find a happy balance between like being an artist and also balancing like the business side of it. Right. Yes. And that's the thing is we all, the, why we're drawn to this is being an artist. None of us want to be running a, a business quote unquote, or mm-hmm. marketing ourselves, but any, any kind of freelancer, doesn't matter what industry you're in, you're not just a graphic designer. You're not just an architect or like whatever yeah. kind of freelancer you are, you, you have to run it as a business. You have to market yourself. And that's stuff that's really not taught to us a lot. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons for Amplified Artists is to help people with all that stuff. But also, you know, there's other places you can go to get this information, but you know, it's because it's not fun. It's not the fun stuff where we like to make the art. It's really, you know, it, it's even if you do like take the classes in it, it's like, how do you like actually put this into practice and have that accountability and support? So, you know, it doesn't feel like such a chore for you and it doesn't feel so like there's not so much friction because really like if you are really proud of who you are as an artist and you love to share that with the world, like, cause that's why, especially if you're a performer, like you're literally performing for people, like you're, you're sharing your gifts every time you're on right. stage. How can you make your social media feel like that? That it's like you're sharing right, your right. gifts and you're not quote unquote marketing, but you are by sharing your gifts. And so it's like integrating those things so that it doesn't feel like you're doing work, you know? Right, 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 right. So in New York, I know you do work with National Asian Artists Project. Right, right, right. right. So yep. what what is, for people who don't know that organization, just give us a little bit about their mission and, and what they do. And then also like what your involvement is. Yeah. So uh, the organization is called National Asian Artists Project. And it was started by Bayark Lee, Stephen Ang, and Nina Zoe Lam. And the mission of the entire organization is more community building and giving Asian people, um, a platform for them to create because I think it is, you know, like given the, you know, acknowledgements that the industry is having with like people of color, especially like the Asian community, like we we are like very overlooked and, you know, it's like we have like three shows and those are the shows that we're ever cast in. And this organization, um, helps build the community and gives this community a chance to perform in a chorus or, you know, we, we do have a lot of international, um, members who, you know, their English isn't, um, clear. So we, we offer like accent classes to help with that. And it's just kind of like a community building boot camp. you know, it just kind of gives everybody, um, gives like Asian people a chance to perform because there aren't many opportunities still, unfortunately. And so how did you get involved and like, what are you, like, what's your role in the organization? So funny enough that National Asian Artists Project was the first audition, like my my first like outside of school audition I ever had. So I was like, okay, National Asian Artists Project, I probably should like involve myself with this. And um, they were doing Oliver at the time. And that was like my first professional audition. So I will never forget that. And funny enough, Bayer Lee directed chorus, a chorus line my junior year. Oh, wow. And then from there, that's, you know, I introduced, you know, I was cast and um, yeah, kind of just got myself involved with her as much as I could. And I started interning for the organization, like right out of college. That's awesome. Yeah. She, she actually referred you to us at Amplified Arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she. I remember she. She was like, she texted me. She was like, "You need to apply for this scholarship. You need to do it now." So I yeah. did. Wow, it was great. Yeah, she's such a great mentor like that. She she really does take care of like the people who, you know, are part of the organization. Mm-hmm. Like, she, like really, really feels so strongly about like amplifying the, her community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, then I appreciate all of her support and and what she does to help. Uh, you know, obviously the Asian community, but also like with Amplified Art, she's such a cheerleader too. So I appreciate all yeah. that. Um, so I, you know, I think our industry is very fond of saying like representation matters, but I don't know if we're actually doing it as much as people like say they want to be doing it. And I think with the Black Lives Matter movement during the the height of the pandemic, that definitely 
like knock down a lot of walls and like it's happening more than it did in the past. But, you know, I'm curious from like your point of view, like what, what do you think like the roadblocks still are? Like, why is this still um, like so slow to be happening? Or do you feel like now it's like on the right path or like, what are your thoughts about it at the current moment? Yeah, I think that, you know, now that we are slowly like opening back up, it just sounds to me still that, you know, non-people of color are still thinking of change as like cancellation or like to mm. get rid of. But what people of color are asking for, not just in theater, is that change is an expansion. It's about room. It's about, you know, like we, we as artists, right, say yes and. So it's like we want that kind of change. We want that kind of expansion. We're not asking you, like we're not trying to say like, um, we just want the, the, the goal is like equal distribution and like fair, fair, you know, like just like safe and fair workspaces for us. And we need to think that like change needs to happen. Um, and it, it's, and we have to not think of change as a cancellation. Um, and I think that the roadblock is that, you know, we're kind of relying on certain, I don't know how, how to say that. Like we're, we're, we're only relying on like certain people to be the spokesperson. Mm -hmm. We're only relying on like Lin-Manuel and like this mm -hmm. person, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and we, we have to, we have to encourage that even those people like Lynn and you know, that we can't just like rely on Lynn to write for people of color and that Janine Tesori and David Henry Wang are a pair for the Asian community, right? Like we have to, I, I'm hoping that, you know, we, we should uplift more, more, like they should uplift more up and coming artists. And then from there, I think that we're going to get more original work and that we're going to get more, uh, we're going to, we're going to see more of the change because yes, mm -hmm. like Lin-Manuel and Janine Tesor and David Henry Wing, they're, they're very, very powerful, influential people. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't create anymore um, because they really are pillars of, of great theater. Uh, I just think that, you know, we can't just like rely on Lin-Manuel to write the next musical for people of color and that we we can't just like rely on those types of people. So I'm hoping that, you know, more like more people of color become recognized, even though they won't, even though they don't have a name yet. Right. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that that's one of our roadblocks. Like I can't, I don't think that we should just turn to just that one successful person of color or that one successful group of people that are writing for people of color. Mm -hmm. Um I think we just have to find like those up and coming people who have like a great vision and just really invest and really think of change as an expansion instead of um, getting rid of something. Mm -hmm. I think it's so true of so many things because it's like, not only is like you're, what you're saying is like, okay, well, we have these certain writers and like, they're going to write for this community, but that's like, we have a choreographer that only choreographs this type of dance. We have a director right. that only directs this type of show. We have a performer right. who does this kind of role. So it's like our industry is like once you do something once and you do it well once, it's like they kind of like that's that's your lane. Like that's what you do. That's what you're known for. And it's very hard to get people to like look that this person is an artist that has many colors that could do many different things, right? And it's like so so in what you're saying, it's the same sort of situation where it's like you know, we're, we're assigning these kind of roles to people. Um, and I a hundred percent agree with you about expansion. I think it's, it's not even just with like, who's writing. I think it's just like expansion of the stories being told because right, right. even within a certain community, it's like the same kind of stories are being told. It's like, again, like what you're saying, you're kind of just like assigning these roles to these people and, and not saying like, there, there's a full experience of this person that we're just not, or of this community that we're just kind of like not even talking about because we think this is the most important issue that we should be bringing to the table. It's like always kind of tied to hardship and trauma too. It's it's like, oh, it's important for us to educate the community about like what this person's going through. And that's hundred percent true, but yeah. that's not like the only part about that person or that community. So. Yeah. Basically when we just rely on those stories and those like tropes like that's when the pigeonholing happens and that's when you know a lot of artists feel like that that's the box that they feel right like this mm -hmm. kind of like they can't break away from this it's like when we just rely on when when we don't 
change and when there is no expansion and you know we are just relying on like what has been working mm -hmm. uh, that's when the pigeonholing happens and i think that that's like the what we need to work against it's just like we it can't just there's no easy fix to this is i think really what i'm trying to say right and i think um you know for younger generations to see like what what kind of a full career they could have what kind of a full life they could have it's important for them to see people who look like them on stage. And that's why, you know, that's why people say representation matters. But right. I think in the stories as well, it's not just like that they see you on stage. It's like that they can identify with a, like all kinds of things that relate to their lives. And there's a lot of stuff that we all have in common too. And so, you know, all that stuff can still be part of these stories. It could be more like normalized. So it's not like, oh, this is an Asian show or this is a black show. It could just be right, this is a right. human show, you know? Um, right, right. You know, when you were growing up, like, what was your, were you cognizant of this? Like you weren't seeing a lot of stories or, or people or, or like, was it just like what you kind of accepted as like the norm or like, how did that feel like growing up? You yeah, know? it's weird. It's like, I, I grew up around a lot of Filipinos. So it's not that I didn't feel disconnected from it, but it wasn't until I went to school where I was like, oh, I don't look like these kids. I'm not growing like these kids. Right. But I always went home like, you know, I would feel disconnected in that kind of space. But I was always coming home to like people who looked like me, who acted like me, who can identify with like, you know. Just like just like those little nuances that people who look like me. <clears throat> but I think in the it didn't really hit me until I went to college where I was like, oh, mm. like, why is it that like I'm only allowed to do this or. Right. Yeah, because, you know. You learn like, oh, you have to pick a type and, you know, you, you get this type of material and this is what you should do well, because that's what makes you money. So it really wasn't until college where I was like, I don't like this kind of like, I, like what you think of me is like, I kind of reject that idea. So it, it was really, it was not until I went to college where I was like, oh, like, this is like what will make me money. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. That's when I really felt disconnected from. From like any work did you talk to anyone about like did you talk to your professors about it or anyone like at the school or yeah it but it always just came down to to we want you to make money after school so it always was like you know we acknowledge what you're ha what, what what you're what you're saying but these are the roles that happen or i mean these are the roles that are available to you right now and like this is what's going to make you you know build a career where i wanted someone to be like oh yeah like let's we'll acknowledge that you have to do this but like what can we do to you know break that sort of like right how, how can we help people break this sort of like page that you're in mm -hmm. right because it's like i don't feel like disconnected from any of the roles that you know were given to me like as little as they were but you know i i don't necessarily feel like you know LeFou all the time, you know what I mean? Like those kinds of roles. Um, but yeah, I, I wish that, you know, school, my school was a little bit less dismissive about those things mm -hmm. because like, obviously we all need to make money at the end of the day. But in that moment, I think that that's when I, I wish that I had just been like, no, I don't want to do that. I should have yeah. just been more. Yeah. I should have just like outwardly rejected it like verbally. Right. Yeah, that phrase of like, well, that's just the way it is, or like, that's how it is. Like, that always like makes my skin crawl because it's just like, it doesn't just because that's the way it is. That doesn't mean it has to be that way, you know. Like, we, yeah, we can yeah. change it. And I think that, again, like going through the Black Lives Matter movement during the pandemic, I think like it like finally shook some people up of like, oh yes, we could be doing things a different way. Um, sadly, not as much as I wanted to uh, happen. I think that we've kind of gone back to a lot of our old practices, but yeah. like with mental health and with like how much we're working during the day. And I mean, it expands in so many different ways of like this idea of like, well, this is just how it's done. But just because it has been done like that or someone once did it like that does not mean, I mean, every year we get new technology. Every year we get smarter about things. We get more information. We can adapt and change and grow. And keep making the theater a better, healthier, safer place for everyone. Right. Um, so yeah, it's hard. Like, and this is, I don't, I'm not trying to knock any of your professors, but I do think just because I work with a lot of universities, there are definitely some teachers who are 
like still in the thick of it and like out there seeing what's happening and and like making change. And then there's others who they get bogged down by all the the paperwork that comes with being a college professor and all the red tape and um and they stop practicing the art themselves. So like they're kind of frozen in time in a certain way. No, yeah. And so yeah, if if you're a university professor listening to this, like it is really important to, you know, help the industry grow into like what we want it to be. Uh, even if you're just teaching someone, you can still do that. You can empower them to be change makers, even if you yourself have no power to change. But the people who are going to be entering the workforce, as you're saying, like this is your career, you have to make money. Like give right. them the tools to make the change happen. Right, right, right. Yeah. You had said about um, like the mental health, like you brought that up earlier. And I know when we had Equity Therapy come in and do a workshop in Amplified Artists. And if anyone doesn't know Equity Therapy, they're uh, psychotherapy practice in New York City, but they're all former Broadway performers. So like they get, uh, and they're all licensed therapists, like, but they understand like what, you know, people in the theater go through. So they're really great for helping theater artists with their confidence and mental health and all that stuff. So you had told me that that was one of the most helpful workshops for you um, and feeling like safe in a, in maybe a unsafe work environment. And so I know people for so many different reasons feel in certain situations uh, unsafe in a rehearsal setting or even in a performance setting, like what, you know, what like tidbits or like, what, what did you take away from that workshop? That's really helped you that other people could maybe use. Yeah. I think just equity therapy is a great resource to have if you are looking for a therapist. Cause I, I was at the time and I was, I would, I didn't even know that I needed, you know, like I've been looking for a therapist and I didn't really, you know, I wasn't like intending to to sign up with equity therapy um, prior to entering the Zoom call. But I was just very like enthralled at what they were talking about and their understanding and how thorough they were that at the end of that Zoom call, I reached out to them. I was like, I'm actually looking for a therapist, like was wondering if you could match me up with somebody, talked, uh, what insurance do you take? And it was like very, very easy. And within like less than a week, I was assigned to someone. That's awesome. It was like, the it was, at, quite life-changing like that zoom call what have they given you like any kind of tools or strategies that you can like do you have your head yeah, wrapped around it yet like something that i i feel like i i, I you know we all trying to do like the breathing but I, I think that something that i have discovered like in my sessions with them is sort of like acknowledging your surroundings because you know like when you're feeling like in your head, it doesn't feel like that you're not acknowledging what's happening because it's right. Because it's like when you're having like, um, you know, an episode, you, you're just kind of like in yourself. But I think like something that they've taught me um, was like naming like five things that you hear outside and then um, naming three things that you feel. And it's just mm. kind of like getting all your senses back together. So that way you kind of like climb out, climb out of your, you know, a sort mm -hmm. of manic um, episode that you're having. That's so interesting. You're the second person who shared that because um, a friend of mine who is pregnant, like that's part of like the training they're doing with her is like they have her hold these ice cubes because if you hold ice, I don't know if you've ever tried it. I tried it once. You told me like, oh, wow, this is really painful. But you do, you name, you name like five things in the room. You name your feelings like, and that like by going through that, it's like kind of taking you out of the, like in that case, the pain of the situation or in this case, right, the, right, right. the unsafe feelings. Right. Because I think like for me, like what, what clicked was that it's like, there is like, you know, you know, like when you're having like a, my friends hate me, you know, this stuff, like I wish that didn't happen, like all that, you're kind of like, sometimes you theorize, right? And then, you you know, people always say, root it, what, 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 which one of this is fact though? Like, do you know that for a fact? So I think that like what that does, it's like when you're having your episode, you're like, okay, that whatever's happening outside those five things are definitely happening. And then like the four things that you're feeling right now, like there's a chair under my butt, there's my feet under the ground, like that is all rooted in fact. So it's just kind of like all, all these things can be true while you're still like, you know, acknowledging and honoring like what you're experiencing, which I mm -hmm. think is like super, super helpful, which is like, I think that, that that's like a great, um, like the ice cubes are like, that's such a, Cause it's like, you, you're kind of like, I don't want to say distract because like, that is like a, a negative word. And I, I don't want it to be like dismissive of what you're actually feeling, but it kind of like, it gives you another, um, level of fact, like that 
to to whatever exercise that you're doing because it's like yeah your hands are cold so you're like focusing that instead right yeah and it's like going back to what we talked about with you know you're not really getting the business training you're not getting like the mental health training like i mean the fact that we are in a business where so much is about rejection uh or we get so much rejection i should say and that rejection is about what your passions are right if you're directing performing whatever it is you're doing um that does like wear on your soul. And like, again, it's like, well, that's just the nature of the business. That's just how it is. Like th those kinds of phrases, a lot of times people will say, but it doesn't need to be like that. Yeah. Um, and so I do like that. It's more part of the conversation. Now I like that there's more tools and resources available to people to do that. Um, I really think it's important, even if you feel healthy, even if you feel happy to, you know, examine that. And that could just be journaling. It could be meditation. It doesn't need to be that you go to see a therapist, but I do think yeah, like yeah. having some sort of practice for yourself, like your me time or whatever you want to think of it being, um, to take care of your mental health, because even when you are like, uh, you know, what you would say, maybe like a naturally happy person or whatever, you still are faced with hardships and rejections and, and, you know, it's almost more important for someone like that to have tools that, th that they're ready because, they're not used to dealing with that where someone that maybe is facing a lot more um, hardship along the way is going to be more used to dealing with that. But um, yeah, so I, I love that you, you know, that you messaged me after that and you felt comfortable sharing that. And um, like, I, I think that like just normal normalizing that we could talk about this. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring them in to, to do the workshop for us. It's just like this, like, let's just talk about what's happening. And like, it's, there's a lot of toxic work environments in the rehearsal room. So yeah that that also came at such a, a great time too because you know we were that was like the thick of the pandemic so it was like a lot of the the people who attended the zoom were like i don't want to go back to that kind of workspace and you know i'm it's like it's like they're not nervous about you know getting more auditions or getting more work but it was just more of like the thought of like will i be complacent to this or will i just have to continue coping with you know things be staying as they were because it's like I think that you know there was like an I think that we all kind of acknowledge that you know when we were when we when we were going to open that there's going to be a slow 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 change so I think that 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 zoom call really like struck me because we were we were really um acknowledging right how helpful like our practices were, whether it be in the the workspace or not like how we right. were as human beings were like thinking about opening and the kind of anxiety. So it was just, it was like so helpful to be in that call and like to hear that, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, okay. Because it's like, we, we acknowledge that things are not great in the theater, but it's also, it was really exciting to hear that people were also, you know, hesitant about like being, going back in that, that same way. I didn't feel yeah. like completely in the dark with that. Yeah. And there's also like a shift I've noticed because when, you know, an Amplified Artist first opened, uh, a lot of the questions people would say would, you know, in, in this context of what we're talking about would be like, well, how do I like leave this job without burning a bridge? Or how do I not work with this person without burning a bridge? It was more of like, how do I take myself out of the situation, which is definitely like a way you could handle it. But I feel like I've noticed a shift now where now the questions are more like, how do I tell this person that I'm not going to do this? Or how do I, how do I make sure that they fix the environment? So it's not like, so like people are actually staying in those situations and actually trying to change the situation and empower the other people around them right. instead of like retreating and just letting that person keep acting like that. So, right, right. I, and I think that's like, like kind of your point is like the power of numbers and like, you see like, oh, I'm not the only one who feels like this. I'm in, I'm in these zoom calls and I'm hearing that we all feel like this. Okay. So like, what are we going to do about it? And yeah, you know, we've started doing these town halls now where it's like, okay, we all agree that this is a problem in our industry let's all throw our ideas on the table. Like, how are we going to fix this in our own lives? And then how are we going to ripple that out to affect the world at large? And like, you know, if one person says something then, and they tell their friend that, and they tell their friend that, like, it just, it, it will just permeate out. So, um, you know, we are more powerful than we, than we think we are, Yeah, yeah but especially yeah. when we have the numbers on our side. Right. And I think that mentality of, you know, like it's, you know, we feel like we're alone. It's because we, we are, you know, we are taught that, you know, um, you're on your own path. So this is your journey and this is your, you know, you should just don't compare yourself and don't do this and don't do that and stay in your own path. Listen to yourself that you kind of like, you do kind of like confine yourself. And then it is like relieving to hear that, you know, 
there are people on their own path, but like identify with the same sort of um, oppression. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any other, I mean, besides like the, this like unsafe work environment and, you know, representation, are there other things that you feel like, you know, this would make theater better if we could X, Y, Z, whatever that would be. Are there other things you think, or is it mainly those two areas? Yeah, I think that we, we like theater professionals behind the table have to do a better job at quick solutions. I think that like, instead of, you know, a curtain rod, you know, like let, let, let's say that someone is not comfortable in their dressing space, that the solution isn't a curtain rod in the same dressing room and then calling it that X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that theater professionals and people behind the table have to do a better job at finding, uh, of listening and then applying change before the performers come. Because you can't just have all these performers come and then they don't feel safe. And then you, you know, you put a Band-Aid solution on it. You should think about this be before. Mm -hmm. you, you know, like, we'll just use the dressing room, for example. Like if someone, you know, is, um, doesn't identify with male or female, the, the, the solution can't be a curtain rod in the, in the, ma the male dressing room or the female dressing room or that they, they, they get shoved in the closet. Uh, you know what I mean? So I think that it should be quipped and ready before you open, before mm -hmm. you have performers on the stage, before you have a rehearsal. Think about these things beforehand. Because, right. you know, I feel like now um, there are, th there's lists of demands that we've given equity and there's lists of demands of people giving the, uh, you know, like their, their state and their government and their country. Like we, we all know like what needs to happen now. So just take what, what's being said and really, really apply it. Like the dressing room situation is like very, very small. Uh, it's, it's just a small part of the bigger picture. Like we need oh, right. to, there needs to be change before you put humans in, in the space together again. Mm -hmm. Or at especially, least, oh, good. Uh, yeah, especially, you know, since theater, we want to celebrate all this, you know, different genders and identities, right? So it's like, how can you celebrate it if you're just going to shove everybody in two rooms? Right. You know, yeah, like you say like, this is, this is it, you know, like, I don't want, like, there needs to be no more band-aid solutions. Yeah. I think it's like understanding, like truly understanding someone's feelings, emotions, situation. And if you are working with someone who is different than you, that you have not worked with before, like really, like you said, before you get in the room with them, knowing the way to do it. And that's not to say you're not going to make mistakes. Everyone does. But I think it's like, even if. Like, even if there's only physically two dress rooms in the building and like, there's no other way for them to like do this just from the beginning, having a conversation with them and like, what else can we do to make you feel safe and supported in here? And like, just even the acknowledgement of it, that like, this is not an ideal solution, like would go a long way. And I know, you know, for myself, when I've been in situations of like, you know, as a gay person where it's like, it's just kind of assumed I'm like, well, no, that's not really like, that just kind of makes me feel like I'm off here on the side. Like, that's not really, you know, the best way to handle exactly, this exactly, um, exactly. but it's exactly. like because they didn't take time to really think about to them it's like it's not that big of a deal so like why would i care about that but they are not in my shoes so they don't understand why it's a big deal right and so yeah. this is why it's like just have good to have so many voices behind the table diverse voices ages genders races everything because yeah, like yeah. you if you're not in that person's you know skin or situation you're not gonna fully ever be able to understand you can appreciate but you can't understand right I think, um, I'm not, there was something else I wanted to ask you about this. And of course, like now my, I'm lost my train of thought yeah. here. Um, all right. Well, that we did talk a lot about all that stuff. So that's, that is good. Um, one thing I did want to come back to also, like, cause we talked about with the scholarship with amplified artists, mm -hmm. this is like, so if people don't know how this works. We have, uh, anonymous donors, um, or Broadway cares equity fights AIDS has also contributed money, but it's mostly through, uh, anonymous donors who sponsor an artist. So people will, instead of giving money to a theater or to a creative residency, they will sponsor an artist for a year to be a member of amplified artists and have access to all the courses, the workshops, the events, the trainings, the Q and a calls, everything that we do. Um, so 
if someone's interested in sponsoring an artist, and I'll I'll put the link in the description for people to learn more about that, but just from your perspective, what has that meant to you to have someone who you don't even know, you know, fund a full year's membership for you? And and like what has that been uh giving you the opportunity to be able to do? Yeah, I I think the the gravity of that is greater than this this anonymous donor knows. Like I I really I got tips and tricks of things that I thought I had already known, but mainly, you know, like you helped my mental health significantly. Uh, you helped me find a therapist, um, help me navigate through the trials and tribulations of New York. And then I completely new experience uh, with American Idol. And, you know, like that, the gravity of you, like whoever sponsored me is like greater than I can ever express. Yeah. So I definitely I, like, yeah. thank you. And I encourage more people to be a part of Amplified Artists. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I know. I, whenever I get the application videos, like I, I cry at every single one. It's just, it's always so yeah. beautiful. And like, just the fact that people are donating this money and sponsoring, it's just like, when I created Amplified Artists, I never even had that in my mind that like, oh, maybe someone would want to sponsor someone to do this. And it's just like, there's been so many people who've stepped forward. And even if they can't afford or want to sponsor a full year, they'll say, well, can I just give you some money and you can combine that. And so we've been able to piece together scholarships from people paying for like three months or six months or whatever it may be. Yeah, and we can yeah. just piece, piece the whole thing together. So even if you're watching or listening to this and you just want to give like $25, whatever it may be, um, this does really help people who at the time maybe can't afford this and, or for whatever reason, feel like their opportunities have been limited and to give them a safe space to come and, and fly. Yeah. So what's, what's different about Amplified Artists is that it really, it is more than just like a supplement to like what I've already learned and like what it, it really, it, 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 it's just like such a great space to be connected with different artists from around the nation and around the world. It's like, I know that you have people in London and, yeah. you know, you have people here and like that. It's very different from any platform that I've ever used to connect with other artists. And I think that this is truly like such a great, it's like pretty unrivaled in my opinion. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. I, I did want to create, I'm glad to hear that because I did want to create a space where like, it didn't matter if you're in a show or not. It didn't matter what, yeah. if you're a Broadway performer, because we have people on Broadway, we have people in college, we have people who are mid-career, like all, like at all different stages. And like, they were all in the same space. We're all together. We're all going through the same thing. And I think it's, it's like helpful for the, you know, the newer people to hear that the people on Broadway and working on Netflix and on American Idol, like yourself, like doing these big things, still have the same exact struggles, still have the same insecurities, have the same questions. And then on the flip side, for the people who are more accomplished to like, see like the, the path of where they've come from and appreciate how far they have come. Because I think like you just get in your, like you said earlier, like you kind of get like in your little lane and you, you have blinders on to like, the rest of the world, but also like your own progress and how far you've come and, yeah. um, and also like to feel comfortable that even with someone, uh, even as someone who has uh, this big career to feel comfortable that you can still ask questions too. And be like, you know, I don't know, should I be doing myself tape like this? I mean, I think it's, it's interesting the people that are more accomplished have that courage to like ask that in front of other people. Cause I think there's this assumption that, oh, we're at a certain level. So you know, I have to act like I have everything all figured out. And so it takes yeah. a lot of humility and confidence and courage to be like, you know what? I don't really know what I'm doing here. And, yeah. you know, and even if none of us have the answer, we could all say, well, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Or let me get someone in here that could maybe help you with this. And so, you know, that actually dictates like what guests we do bring in to work with people based on what, you know, what people are struggling with. So yeah. um, I'm really glad to hear that that is something you feel like is helpful because that, that was one of my main goals with this. So. Yeah, it's also really helpful because it's like, you know, you miss a session and it's like guilt free, you know, it's like you, you still link the video, it's still available to you, you still, uh, you know, you can still have access, you, you have the access and the, the freedom to like still ask questions about a session and that's really, really great because like, you know, you know, we as artists, like we're so busy and, um, you know, we're, we have a lot of us have like survival jobs to support like what we actually want to do. So it's, it's great to, you know, like. You miss like a 12 o'clock, you know, uh, Zoom session, but then you have, you have it at the end of your shift. And like, that's really great. Cool. That's what I really also. Yeah. Thank you. Um, for someone, cause like, this is something I struggle with is getting people to apply for the scholarships because they, 
like I thought when I would open this up that everyone would be running in to try to do this, but it's like people will say, well, I don't want to take an opportunity away from someone else, or I don't know if I deserve this. It's like, I'm just really, it was not ever on my radar that this would be a concern that people wouldn't apply because they were taking themselves out of the running. It's like, mm -hmm. I just assumed if this was available, people would naturally want to be part of it. So what do you say about that? Like when people are saying they're like, oh, I don't know if this is for me or I shouldn't do it. Or like, I'm taking an opportunity away. Like, do you have any tips for that? Or like things you yeah, I think them? that that's, I don't, yeah, that that's great that people are conscious about stuff like that. And they, that it's like very, very sensitive. And that does actually like, I enjoy hearing that because it just shows that we are showing like humanity and humility for everyone. Um, but I think that, you know, like you just have to advocate for yourself and there is space for everyone. Like that's the point, right? Like that's the whole point of like why we do what we do. It's like we're creating space for everybody. So I don't think that it, you know, though you're being like empathetic and conscious, I think that you should also advocate for yourself. Um, and if it's something that you're really passionate about, just apply. Um, there's like no limit to to members. And if you don't get it, then, you know, try again next year for another scholarship. But I think it's like worth, worth the investment anyway, uh, regardless of mm. whether or not you get the scholarship. It's like, it's truly like worth the investment. Yeah. And that, if you, you know, if you just even want to try it out for a month, it's $39 for, at the time of this recording, like it's $39 for a month and there's no contract. So, you know, two dance classes is more than that. One voice lesson is more than that. I mean, yeah. like uh, most fitness class, like boutique fitness classes are that yeah. price or higher. Yeah. So like, to have a full entire month where like you have access to everything that's in the library, all the courses, workshops, access to all of our events that happen that month, even just like one month could help you. Um, you know, I think that, uh, but, but if you, but like I said, if you, if you're really thinking that like, you can't even afford that, this scholarship is available and like, don't count yourself out because these people are graciously giving this money because they want to help people like that people want to help you. And, I think we're afraid to ask for help and not even just with scholarships, but with anything, we're always afraid to ask someone. Right. But I mean, when people ask you for help, what is your, you don't ever get annoyed or angry about that. Like you, of course you jump in to help someone. Right. So these people want to help you. And this is, this opportunity is out there. So don't, don't let it you know, go by um, and count your own self out of it. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Don't underestimate anything. Yeah. There's enough people already saying no to you. You don't want to be saying no to yourself. Exactly, too. Yeah. You don't lose anything from, from, you know, joining. Yeah. So what's next for you now? So you, I know you have American Idol going on, but like, what's your kind of trajectory this year? Like, what are you working yeah. on? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm just going to try to ride the wave and see like what happens with the rest of American Idol. Um, but there is a new organization that reached out to me about joining uh, an advisory committee, and mm. they're launching this new uh, project in New York called Turnout NYC. And what we're going to do is that we're going to um, create like stages of in, in New York, in Queens, Staten Island, and all the boroughs and all the um, avenues where artists, no matter, you know, if it's performing or visual, that they're going to create a space and that's going to happen in the summer. So that's kind that's of cool. cool. That's, like that's really cool. Biggest, yeah, that's like one of the biggest projects I'd be working on because it's happening like all, all over it. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And how did they come across you? Or is this like someone that you already knew? Yeah, someone I already knew. Um, but, you know, she she trusted me because I, I do know my 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 way around the the city. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it's because she knows that I'm like I'm I'm big for advocating for like the overlooked so and that that's kind of like the the mission statement for them is that they want to um create these stages in these uh communities that don't have access to the arts um you know because of funding or you know this that the other thing but right. um yeah i'm excited it launches yeah. i think what, what did it say april yeah it launches like next week so oh wow yeah that's amazing that's a, such a cool mission too yeah yeah well, congrats. That's awesome. Thank I'm, you. Thank I, you. I, I want to hear more about this. I'll be yeah, yeah. checking Try out. Try to bring everyone media. together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully it all glue together. So yes. more, more performance opportunities for everyone. Cool. Is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you wanted to say or share? Or, or we, we did hit a lot of cool things today. I appreciate yeah, your yeah. thoughts on this. I just want to stress like the, like there is room for everybody. That That's the change that we want to see. It's not 
we're not trying to cancel anybody unless you deserve to be. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we, we, we really, you know, I think artists, it's time to make room for everyone. And I think, yeah, I think that we are, we have to see that change. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to see. A thousand percent agree. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So if people want to connect with you, learn more about you, like where's the best place for them to go? Oh yeah, it's my Instagram. So it's okay. at Y-E-E, -E, it's I-T-S, and then my name, A-L-P-H-O-N-S-E. It's like a very, it's like a very old. I'll put it on the, on the description too, so people can, <laughs> can just click right there. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, I, I, I don't know, I, I couldn't change it. You know, it's my first Instagram handle, so I have some sentiment to it. I was like yeah. one of the first users. <laughs> You were one of the first ones on Instagram? Yeah. I, yeah. Really? Oh, wow. I, I think I forgot what year it was. It was like, I, I was like a sophomore in high school. So like 2011 or something. And it wow. was, it was like when they had heavy filters and oh, yeah. they had orders. I had it all. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's amazing to like watch it grow and compete with TikTok. It's mm -hmm. kind of. I know. So, Instagram. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for your insights and sharing and being vulnerable and being honest and stuff. I, it's like really, um, I think, like I said, helpful for people to hear this and it's beautiful. And um, I'm just really glad you've been part of Amplified Artists and uh, I wish you the best with uh, American Idol. That's exciting. Thank you. All right. ABC. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's everyone should be watching for sure. All right. I'll see you later. See ya. Thank okay, you. Bye. So now you see why I wanted to have Alphonse on the show, even without knowing about American Idol. I'm so happy for his progress and even more happy that he reached out and got help when he was feeling lost. A lot of people feel guilt or shame about speaking to a therapist. So if you are one of those people, I hope that now after hearing about Alphonse's journey, you do reach out and speak to someone if you need help. Now, help comes in all shapes and sizes. So if you need financial help becoming a member of Amplified Artists, I'll put the link to our scholarship program that we discussed in this episode in the description below. And I'll also put a link for our sponsorship program if you are interested in sponsoring one of these scholarships. Before we wrap up here, don't forget you can get my free three-part branding formula guide and worksheet on my website at jimcooney.me forward slash branding or by following the link in the show notes. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. And while you're there, leave the show a five-star review, especially if you think this podcast will be helpful for someone else. If you've got any questions, give me a shout on Instagram at JimCooneyNYC. Remember, there is no one on the planet who's just like you. Be true to the gifts you have and who you are. Thanks for tuning in today. Now, here's a little preview of next week's episode. I will see you then. I want you to imagine what your life and career would be like if you no longer had any doubts about yourself. What if you walked into every audition, rehearsal, performance with superhero confidence? What would that mean to you? How would that change the way you enter a space, how you dress, how you approach people you want to work with? Imagine how unstoppable you would be.